HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. I'm your other host, Greg Bresnitz. We are coming to you live from Florence, where I think we will be currently flying back or landing as the show rolls out. Something along those lines. So, I'll be back. You'll still be heading to LA. Uh, we are full of focaccia and pasta, uh, limoncello, not by choice. Tons of limoncello. And Amaro runs through our blood. Uh, we have a very special show today. We're celebrating Portland. Uh, with the upcoming Feast Festival. Shout out to Mike Thielen, uh, with a special guest of Han Oak. Peter Chow, who made it from Oregon by way of South Korea to New York and back to Oregon to open up this incredible, one-of-a-kind, unique, family-centric restaurant that had the most kids and babies and pregnant people I've ever seen in one restaurant at one setting at one time. Outside of Park Slope. Outside of Park Slope. We talk about unlearning his lessons from New York, what it means to be a true family man, and all the tastiness that goes into his new spot that is a must-hit when you go to Portland next. And we dig into the archives for one of our favorite performances from Oberhofer, who's an early, early friend of the tunes. Uh, He's going to be playing some songs, talking about his album, and I know he's got some new music in the work, which I know we can't wait to hear. We'll definitely have him back on the show for a third time? Fourth time? Third time. Third time. Uh, so here we go. Without further ado, Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. Look for their newest line, Pristine, the only complete line of pet food made with responsibly sourced ingredients. Learn more at HeritageRadioNetwork.org slash pets. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes. I'll just keep on stumbling Right now it feels too humbling To tell you what I want 
And the city's feeling queer and crass With beer cans growing blades of grass To look like something new shoes but you wish you could count for every inch and every ounce of everything that you meet and you'll die by the time you're 30 slithering snakes and garden rakes Don't got what it takes to give you what you need. Snacking Tunes. I'm one half of your host, Greg Bresnitz, recording live from the backyard of Portland, Oregon, inside Hun Oak. That's right. With chef owner, housemate, roommate, <laughs> father, uh, Peter Chow. Plumber, 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 electrician. Plumber, electrician. I have to say, when we ate here on Monday, um, it was the most babies and pregnant people that I've <laughs> ever seen collectively in one spot. Yeah, no, we're we're pretty kid friendly. It, it it helps that Elliot runs around and there's it's all, kind of, it was kind of amazing. Toys. Yeah, all his toys in the corner and yeah, it's pretty. I definitely nice. saw some kid getting dressed up in a Spider Man costume that was like not for him and for <laughs> all the parents. <laughs> they put the mask on. He started crying. They're like, "What? You look great." And he's like, "Days off me." Yeah, I feel bad though sometimes because Elliot he's possessive with his toys, so they'll he'll, they'll fight. He'll, he'll fight. He'll learn. Yeah, he'll learn to share. He he needs to. Yeah, yeah. he's got a two month two-month-old baby brother. So let's go back. Yeah. Born in... Born in Seoul, uh, Seoul, South Korea. Grew up a little bit, spent some time in Jeju-do, which is a little island off the southern coast. Um, but yeah, I moved um, to Springfield, Oregon when I was seven. How did your parents choose Springfield, Oregon out of all places? Yeah, no, it was, so it was my, my dad's um, aunt who married a, a soldier. American, 
um, and he was from Eugene, and so they they moved back, and pretty much the rest of the family followed. So my my dad's entire um, dad's side of the family is here in states, um, while my mom's side is pretty much all in Korea still. I mean, Eugene is a pretty magical place. I uh, went to school there. I fell in love with it, like we whoa, talked about. Over really? The, no, I went to University of Oregon. No way. Yeah, go Ducks. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. And you spent time in Portland, too. I spent time in Portland, but, like, it's a common myth that I lived in Portland, but reality, I just was in... I've driven... I've done that hour and 40 drive from Eugene uh, to Portland, okay, so and then yeah, yeah, yeah. so many times, way more tired, fucked up, than yeah. I should admit, <laughs> on that, like, that last thing, listening to, like, at the drive-in and Mars Volta, just trying to pinch myself awake the last 20 minutes outside of Eugene. Yeah. That last 20 minutes is tough, though. The last 20 minutes yeah. is, like, the worst. Uh, and everyone's <laughs> so passed out in the backseat. Uh, what was it like growing up in, in Eugene? And, you know, how, you know, what was the family dynamic? And the what type of food did you eat growing up here? Um, well, man, I, I didn't eat well. <laughs> Not compared to, you know, Portland or New York. Um, yeah, it's a lot of my mom's cooking, for sure, growing up. But yeah, no, I, I grew up on junk food. I drew, I grew up on a lot of, like, fast food places, like, through high school. It, I mean, it's interesting, because, like, <laughs> you think of Eugene as, or I think it was, like, a picturesque place, but it's kind of like an island, and then it's surrounded by yeah. all the kind of highways and everything there. It's just, like, classic middle America encroach of just, like, chain foods and yeah. big box stores. And totally. Just really kind well, of and, But it's also so much about the university. It's such a college town. Um, it, and, and it was sort of at... I was there at the beginning of like when football, the football program was was uh, taking off. What years were you there? Uh, two thousand uh, uh, ninety eight, ninety eight to two thousand two. That's when I got here. So yeah. I, I actually got to hear the last year that they were good. Yeah. And I was like, this is amazing. Everyone's <laughs> in such a good mood. And then the next three years, everyone was just so miserable all the time. And and it de- yeah the how well the Blazers or the Ducks are doing kind of determines everybody's mood. I lived with um, someone that was in the marching band and two lifelong fans, and I was afraid to go home when they <laughs> won, and I was afraid to go home when they lost. Yeah. Like either way, it was I had to actually move out and go live with people that were not sports fans because it was such like a terrible dynamic during basketball and football season. Yeah, you know, I it's I can't even keep up. I can't even keep up really. So what what brought you to New York? Uh, so I finished uh, school. Uh, my brother, who's two years older than me, got accepted to um, Teach for America. And they basically, what you do is you pick three cities that you want to be placed in, and you pick three, and New York was one of them. So he moved out there, and I followed. He uh, gave me free rent for the first, I don't know, two years probably I was there. So that was a pretty sweet deal. And when did you decide to enroll in culinary school, or almost enroll in culinary well, school? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. So two years. <clears throat> the, the first two years, I was still trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, and I didn't really pursue cooking in any way until I started living in that community house. So I moved in with my brother. He lived in a four-story brownstone with seven other roommates. And they would all take turns cooking for a Sunday dinner. Um, so that's kind of how I got into cooking. I think, like, I don't know, you cook for yourself or for somebody else. That's pretty easy. But, like, cooking for, like, nine people, it's you have to menu plan and you have to, like, actually buy the right amount of product and all that stuff so and was that part of the rules of being within the house that like everyone had to rotate through yeah 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 do you remember yeah. like what were some of the highlight dishes that they made and that you made during that time oh oh man I can't even remember I did like 
uh, kimbap and tonkatsu ones, just like fried pork cutlets and kimbap, a little Korean style, like rolls. Was there a meal that you made where you're like, oh, I think like I can probably do bigger than just cooking for these nine people? Or was there like a moment, like a watershed moment of when you thought, maybe I want to do this a bit more professionally? Yeah, no, you know, I didn't really know much about like cooking in professional kitchens or even like any of, you know, any of the top restaurants in New York. I just, I there wasn't one moment, but it was just cooking and getting into it. And then it was really my roommate who knew a little bit more and was more of a foodie. And so he was, you know, he would tell me, oh, well, why don't you try and go work at a restaurant or something um, or enroll in culinary school? And that's when I, I started studying more about it. But yeah, I definitely was like this close to, to going into culinary school before I f- f- kind of stumbled into the yeah, spotted pig. Yeah, I fell ass backwards into the pig, yeah. So how did you meet April and your mentor and how did you get on your path? Well, so yeah, I um, I was I had a friend in the neighborhood of the Spotted Pig, and so I I I just happened to walk by it and walked in because it was a friend who was like, oh, you should just like go see if you can get a job somewhere, and just tell him you can start from the bottom. I was ready to wash dishes because I was either gonna do that or pay thirty grand to go to FCI, um, and so yeah, I just like kind of popped in and I had this conversation with her, which was like. I don't, I don't have any experience. I think I could do this. If you have a job for me, great. I, I cook for I nine left, guys I, every Sunday. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't think I ever mentioned that. I, I don't think I ever mentioned that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, she took, yeah, she took me on. And what was the first role you had there? Yeah, I was, I was the comey. I was like the kitchen. Like, I, I did all the. It was actually the, the dishwasher loved me the most because it was like I would do all the things that he would have to do so his job was to go downstairs and grab trays of burgers and like plow through the busy dining room of the spotted pig and go down the basement stairs to go to the to to the walk-in in the back and carry up like you know big five gallon quarts of you know shoestring fries and water and sheet trays of burgers and yeah that's that was my job for the first like year or first like month or two and then they closed. There was a second floor remodel. I don't know if you remember that. Um, so they closed for like two, three months. I went back to working an odd job and then she called me back and said, hey, we actually have a position because not everybody made it back off of the break. So. And, what was the, and when did you begin to go from just you know entry level, you, know, you were just another phase there, to really work under April, begin to study under her? And how did that relationship change over years or what was it that made it endure uh i mean it was from the beginning really because um they had so after the re remodel the reopening they um april had i don't know three or four cooks come back but she basically had to restaff the whole restaurant so you know i was just thrown in there and i think you know just from the very beginning it was there was really (laughs) there's not a lot of people (laughs) Um, and so I was just, I was just a part of it. Um, but yeah, I think there was, there was definitely moments when I got to take a step up and, you know, somebody would move on and I would get to work the next station. But it was when, uh, she went on Iron Chef and, uh, she took two sous chefs to sort of practice and, and train really, um, for the show. 
which left um, the sous chefs, uh, Nate and I and Josh, to sort of run the show while they were, they were upstairs on the third floor practicing for it. So that's kind of when I feel like we all sort of got to take that next step up and take on a lot of the sous chef responsibilities. And, and, and I know you went to the Breslin with, with her, and that, that story is well known, but working under someone for almost 10 years and, and some of that, like what were some of the lessons that you feel April imparted on you that you also try to impart on the people that come and work under you now? Oh, man. <laughs> there's, there's a lot. I mean, <laughs> I can't... I can't think of anything sp- specific, really, because um, I run this place very differently. Um, I think, you know, because the restaurant is in our home, I pretty much have to have this conversation with everybody that I hire that they're, you know, becoming part of the family and. Um, it's not just a job because when they walk in here, they're walking into our home. Um, that's not something I, you know, it's it's hard. It's it's hard because I think this is so different from the environment that I sort of did most of my training in in New York. That you know, I I, I do it very differently. I think maybe it's just the opposite of what what you know I sort of trained or learned how to to run a restaurant. And was it was it difficult when you came back here because your mom got sick and you came yeah. came back home to spend more time with the family? Yeah. Was it difficult to kind of I don't want to say unlearn, but do things in yeah. the opposite way? Or like, what was the transition from from going like in New I mean New York, yeah. Breslin, Michelin star, yeah, April, yeah. to coming back here and re I don't know yeah. rethinking it, reimagining, or what was the process, or what did you have to do mentally to to get into this mindset? Yeah, definitely unlearning a lot. I think there's a lot of that sort of shedding of the things that you 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 think about in um, just working in New York. I, I remember visiting often while I was still working at the Breslin, and you know I would come and visit, and I would see restaurants that are only open for dinner or like closed on Sundays and Mondays. And coming from the Breslin, that's you know three meal periods, twenty four hour room service, you know go go go. Um, I was I was always just like, wow, you can actually do that. Like you can take two days off a week. Like that's pretty amazing. Do your investors know that you're yeah. closed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so it was a definitely a totally different world that I I felt like unlearning is like a perfect the perfect way to sort of describe it. I had to unlearn a lot of that. And how did you, I mean, how did you find this place? I mean, it's, it's hard to describe. I mean, your house is on the side, the kitchen's here. We're, we're actually sitting in your almost open-air prep Yeah, prep it's area. like a side, side kitchen. Yeah, like how, um, did you, how did you find this place? Well, so my wife found it. So, you know, actually I moved back and the, the intent was to help take care of my, my mom and, and um, you know, her treatment is still going very well. So, I, but I was really not trying to work in a restaurant or open a restaurant on my own. Right, because so you did was, those pop-ups. Yeah, I was, I was doing these pop-ups. It was totally fun. Chef Buddy and my Johnny, and we just kind of ran around town just getting to know the the community. I think it was an awesome way to, to meet all the chefs and, and not even just the chefs, like a lot of the cooks and servers and bartenders in town. Um, so, that you know, we were doing that before I even was considering opening the place. Um, and that was really fun. But... Um, but yeah, we. Uh, my wife found it. She found it on Craigslist. What well, I mean, uh, what? Well, <laughs> so, as many stories begin. Um, yeah, I what, think what so. What was it before? Like, 
what, what it's hard to imagine what this was. Right. So, uh, we are in the middle of a commercial sort of block. Um, my landlord is a real estate developer in town, and, and he specializes in sort of unique spaces and, and sort of different different layouts. And so when he built this place out, um, this is part of a, a development with the two retail spaces out front, the four micro restaurants in the side, and this was his residence. So him and his wife, uh, three kids, all lived here while all that was being done. So, um, and then he lived here for, I don't know, a year and a half or so and moved out and rented it to some some people and they, you know, turned it into like a party pad and then uh he put it on craigslist and it was like it was on a it was on like a <laughs> i tell this story in a funny way uh it was like a dark and stormy night <laughs> and uh elliot was four months old my wife was at home by herself while i was doing stray dogs pop-ups and you know it was windy and like the it was an old rickety house so like the whole thing was shaking and the you know the screen door was flapping in the wind and uh she was like fuck this I'm finding another place like we're gonna get a condo in the Pearl or something like a nicer place in this shithole and so she like goes on Craigslist and can't find anything in our budget and so you know she just like slides <laughs> slides the bar you know like four times our budget she just slid over to pipe dream <laughs> yeah she's like oh that's where all the nice places are and so she like found this and you know it was definitely out of our budget but she was like we have to go look at it she like dragged me by my heels and my, my, my ear my hair however you drag people and uh yeah she, we we sort of I don't know how you, you felt when you walked in the doors and sort of had this feeling of discovery this like private courtyard oh it's like it, I mean it's, I know we're in Portland but it feels like a total New York thing you're like yeah. what's behind this door yeah. just this magical place yeah. this like Secret Garden. It's almost like Rochelle's Canteen. And, yes. And totally. then you're like, what's behind this door? The yeah. best place ever. Yeah. <laughs> where you just want to hang out all day. Totally. And it totally has that vibe. Yeah. And so we definitely try to extend that vibe. I want it to feel like you're just coming over to somebody's like backyard barbecue. And it's just, yeah, welcoming and fun. We're going to take a quick musical break. And then we're going to talk about all things Hanok. We're going to talk about brunch, dumplings, noodles all the babies that are here. Yeah. Uh, we are going to play a track from the archives and we'll be right back here on Snacky Tunes.
the name Han Oak comes from a traditional Korean building structure. Yeah. What is it about almost like a common structure that you wanted to impose and invoke when you're talking about? It's spelled differently, but it's the same idea. Yeah. What did you want to invoke when people think about this place or what you're positioning in a Korean restaurant? Well, I, I always describe it as, or when I'm asked about Han Oak, I describe it as an untraditional Korean home. Right. So, but my mom came up with the name. Um, and she found it fitting because it is our home and there's like these characteristics like the private courtyard in the front um, I read that you know there's often a river like how you position your home often there's a river in the front and mountains in the back um, but yeah it's mainly because it's yeah it's our home and it, it, it made a lot of sense and just for everyone, I mean, working at the Breslin, you were two blocks from K-Town. I yes. mean, there seems to be like a thousand Korean restaurants in a one-block area. When you opened this place in 2016, what was the state of Korean food in Portland, or even like the larger Portland area? Yeah, really non-existent. Um, there's a couple of places that opened since, like way out in 82nd, we're on 24th. I mean, that doesn't seem very far, but... Feel like there's like this mental barrier that people have to sort of it's like crossing the, the river yeah. it's like it's talk. funny how the map expands like the smaller the city you get um, i go to pump springs a lot and they're like uptown midtown and downtown i was like yeah. it's a, it's a mile and a half yeah, and people are like, like oh i never go uptown yeah so i, I, it, I get nosebleeds yeah <laughs> two blocks uptown so they've opened since then but when you opened in 2016 was there uh you know for people who maybe have not had that much korean food did they have a reference point or did they have some preconceived notion of what this was supposed to be or, or not supposed to be. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah, it's hard because I think you know, having having sort of worked um, two blocks away from Cape Town for so long, where I got to you know at the end of the nights, I would always go and get food, get dinner at you know one in the morning because Cape Town is open 24 hours. But also like, it was a good way for me to sort of um, I, I I feel like Korean food is like a rediscovery in a way where I grew up in uh, Springfield where there's no Korean food whatsoever and so when I moved to New York it was a, a huge eye-opening experience and then as I traveled to LA that was like you know that's another level of Korean food I'd never had before that's so like a all, real Korean town yeah that's a real the, yeah that's K-Town real K-Town. in New York for those who listen there it's like 32nd Street between <laughs> 5th and Broadway yeah, K-Block and they, it's K-Block but they call it K-Town but K-Town in L.A. is massive. Yeah. It's huge. I mean, it's it, it's the best Korean food that I, yeah. that I know. Um, so, yeah, it was a rediscovery for me. So, for me, like, what I wanted to do here in Portland was really introduce the, the things that I love about the K-Towns in L.A. and in and, and, uh, New York and try and do my best version of that. And do you feel that the things you took were maybe like the more intangible things? I mean, the food that I had here on Monday was not like any of the Korean town food that I, I mean, I, you could see it, like it visually looked like it, but then when I tasted it, it wasn't the same flavor profile that yeah. I was used to. Yeah. So like, what did you, what did you keep that was, you know, what you took from New York and LA and how have you run it through your own filter? Cause no one here knows any better. Right. Well, like I, you wouldn't go to you know those restaurants and they wouldn't be sourcing from the local farmers market or you know better quality beef and pork like i think that's kind of the biggest difference and and maybe people can see it or maybe they can't but i think that's you know for me that's what i that's how i you know sort of use my 
my training and what I learned in, in New York and in, under April um, with my food here. Well, it's interesting, like, we had the short rib special on mm -hmm. Monday, and generally when you get it at, you know, a, a K-Town restaurant, it's kind of stringy or kind of thin, and this was, like, everyone got to have a bite of the bone, and everything was just so rich and flavorful. Yeah. You might be ruining Korean food for people who don't know <laughs> any difference. Well, I mean, I, I, I hope it's as close to what, you know, what they can get at, at my favorite Korean restaurants in, in L.A. or New York, but... Yeah, I mean, like something like that. That's that's a whole short rib plate that I smoked for you know fifteen hours before we, you know, slathered it with like a plum flavored kaibi sauce. So it's yeah, it's not exactly the same. They use different cooking techniques, but I, you know, I think it's what I want to eat and how I want to eat it. So. You mentioned when you came here that you know people could be closed two days of the week, and actually when I walked in here, I was behind people who thought you were open, but you just left the door open for me. Yeah. How were you able to find the balance, um, especially that you know Friday and Saturday is your prefix menu, Monday is your noodles and dumplings night, you all have to do some brunch stuff. Like, how were you able to find the right balance to be able to maintain the family and the and the work life? Yeah. That's hard. <laughs> well, like I mentioned, I didn't want to open a restaurant when I moved here. So, you know, when we opened, it was just two nights a week. And that was enough because we lived here that was able to pay, pay enough of the bills. And we didn't spend a whole bunch of money on build out, you know. So I think, you know, people think of this as a restaurant. And I, when I think of a restaurant, a restaurant should be open seven days a week. And it should be open every, you know, day. And we're just not that. And maybe it's just different here in Portland because I think you know it's while there is such a booming food scene it is still very small I think there's not a lot of people are going out to eat every day of the week um, but so finding a balance is more about like it shifts you know like I, tr I try and spend a lot of time with the family or I do it in chunks you know so it's 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 hard. I'm still trying to figure it out. And, but yeah, I, you know, the addition of the dumpling and noodle nights. That, that's kind of what has pushed, um, at least in the last six months, us into being more of a, you know, being open more and identifying ourselves more as a restaurant. I, I try not to call ourselves a restaurant as much. As how would you? What would you qualify? I don't as? know, man. Just a spot. Just know. a spot. You're coming over to my house, no, having dinner. Yeah. You just have to pay for it, but like... <laughs> I'll cook for you and your friends. Yeah. There's just a nice bill at the end. Yeah. Wine totally. is extra. Wine. <laughs> and how did the... The prefix is pretty obvious, but like how did the um, noodles and dumpling night evolve and where did that come from and how did you... I mean, the dishes are incredible on top of... I, there's some overlap, but how did that evolve out of the, the prefix menu? Yeah, so... Um, I started Dumpling and Noodle Nights in January, so we were, we had done brunch. So last summer into to the winter, we were doing a very short brunch. I was doing Friday, Saturday night service, and a very short brunch on Sunday, and that was all we were doing. Must be nice. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a dream. Um, but you know, brunch, when, you know, when the weather turns, like the the space, the magic of the space kind of goes away. And I think I didn't also didn't want to wake up early. <laughs> so I stopped brunch, but that just meant that we needed to add something else. And as I talked to my staff at the time about it, you know, we just were like, what do you, what do you want to eat? What do you, you know, what, and dumpling and noodles is kind of what, you know, what I want to eat. 
and so we created a quick menu out of that um, added our fried chicken to it and it's been off to the races and do you feel that people in Portland because it is so small but it's such a well known dining scene that they're really receptive to it that they pick up on it do you still feel that you know you mentioned that it's a hard sell and like defining Korean food but do you feel that people are open to it or that there's at least a core base that's willing to be evangelist for it uh, yes the core base and I think that it's helpful that um, we you know started on a Sunday and Monday night which is very industry friendly um, I think that's helped a lot I think you know when we have a lot of servers and cooks or bartenders that come and enjoy their meal here um, they'll be at their workplace and you know, people visiting in town will be like, where do you like to go? And they'll, they'll, you know, give us a shout out. So that's, that's I think, what has helped us get to where we are now. Um, obviously, I, I, I hope the food is good and people enjoy themselves. But, but, um, but yeah, that's, I feel like that's how we've gotten here. And then last question, as it continues to evolve, you swapped out brunch, added dumping to a night, and the, the work-life balance, do you see an evolution as a food as you find more areas of create to explore or do you think like this is the balance and this is what works for this home restaurant commissary type of thing or where do you see the future lying in this or the dream of taking it yeah I mean I never imagined I'd be here doing what we're doing now so as much as I'd like to be able to say I know what I'm going to be doing in the future I, I, I really just like it's all a gut instinct it's all by like who you know it's all it's all determined by the staff i think i have a really good staff who are interested in taking in a different direction so i you know i think it just won't be the same i can tell you that i think the future is unknown and i'm happy with that because uh, i'll you know there's no way to 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 know what this place is going to be amazing yeah well chef thank you for inviting us to your yeah, house yeah. thanks where for having people, me yeah of course yeah. Uh, where can people find you how can they get in eat the food yeah no uh, so hanokpdx.com is um, where you can find all the info that's our website but uh, most of our updates happen on Instagram which is still very not very often uh, who, but at, the, who has the Instagram responsibility in the family uh, son and we have some friends uh, who are who are uh, managing it? But I'll I'll post sometimes. Most of the kid photos are me. <laughs> like right? for, every, for every ten posts, you get like a plate of dumplings. Yeah, totally. And if, and if you do twenty, you get a piece of fried chicken. Yes. Uh, well, thank you so much. We're gonna play another song from our archives, and then we'll be back with the second part of Snacky Tunes. Yeah, 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 yeah. We used to make noise. We used to make noise when we tied But now we're silent to the high Yeah, yeah You like to tie me You like to tie me up at night Are you a stranger to the light? Yeah, yeah We have a day of stay Oh, oh, oh My love for you is strong, my dear 
Lions, tigers, strong wolf here. Yeah, yeah, we have data stay. Feed you remedies Grown quiet in the garden Gin soaked and near broke Dry twigs into your hands Arms and your mouth for me I give you nothing that you need Baby, we agree Do we, do we, do you agree? We have data This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. You put a lot of care and thought into what you eat. After all, you're a food radio listener. That thoughtfulness goes hand in paw with how you feed your pets. Purposeful pet food doesn't happen by accident. Castor and Pollux scours the earth to carefully select the best organic and responsibly sourced ingredients. New Pristine from Castor and Pollux is the only complete line of pet food made with ingredients that are responsibly raised, caught, or grown. Feed your dog or cat the new standard, like grass-fed beef, wild-caught fish, and vegetables grown without synthetic fertilizers or chemical pesticides. Pristine from Castor and Pollux. Purposeful pet food. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org pets. Oberhofer. Yo, welcome back. Thanks, man. He in the uh, break he was regaling us some stories of uh, motorcycle um, <laughs> sh- trickery, chicanery, shenanigans, Shenanig- shenanigans. That's what I'm looking for. Some shenanigans from their recent tour. How's everything been, man? Uh, everything's been everything's been great. Uh, every time I I see you or hear about you, it's just bigger and better and things like that. Well, uh, I don't really know, don't know about bigger or better, but I know uh, everything's been good. How'd the debut album go? Um, great. Great, man. What's the name of it? Um, Time Capsules 2. Time Capsules, what was Time Capsules 1? Um, Time Capsules 1 is just a, a different, different thing. A whole different thing? Yeah. So, we're, so the Oberhofer fans aren't missing out on anything if, they've never, if they don't have Time Capsule 1? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. So how's life on the road been? Um, it's been it's been pretty wild actually. I've been back in New York now for six days, and I've been able to you know look at every look at the last three and a half months of touring retrospectively and uh, understand how just how wild it's been. Now, as you were digging into this delicious Roberta's pizza, you were telling me to avoid all pizza in Europe. 
I mean, yeah, I didn't. I tried pizza maybe three times in Europe and never enjoyed it. Even in Italy or a place like that? Um, we weren't in Italy, so oh. um, I can't. I can't speak for Italy. I'm sure. I'm sure the pizza's all right in Italy. I think uh, once you have European pizza, um, you realize that pizza is a little bit more than just bread, sauce, and cheese. Yeah, it's so much more. It's um, there's so much soul in pizza. Yeah. Did you have any good meals? Um, yeah, I, I had some extremely good meals. Where did you, give me one. Um, I don't know the name of this restaurant. Uh, we ate, we ate at in Paris and, um, well, I had two, two delicious meals in Paris. Um, the dinner I had was like this, I had like this veal stew. No, it was a, no, it was lamb stew. And, um, it, uh, I don't, and, and poached pear for dessert. Ooh. And, um, what else? What else did we have? Poached um, pears are delicious. Yeah. Oh, I had some delicious uh, swordfish in Lisbon. Oh, man. That's where the uh, shenanigans yeah. for the motorcycle. Do you yeah. want to tell that story real quickly? Oh, man. Um, so uh, so we'd been riding, we'd been riding around, and um, we had to pull over because our, our tour, man- tour manager had to make a stop. Uh, and uh, he... Uh, he parked his he did a bad job parking his bike so he, he went around the corner and um his bike uh his bike fell over with the engine running and uh you know he thought he didn't he didn't remember leaving the engine on so of course he uh he tries to pick up the motorcycle from the front with his left hand on the throttle of the bike <laughs> and uh and uh causes the motorcycle to accelerate almost into him but um out of defense it just kind of like accelerated up upward and uh it was about three or four feet in the air and uh you know his only reflex was to throw it to his side and uh it landed uh directly on a parked smart car unbelievable and you left a note right yeah left a note in uh what do they speak there what, what's it, spanish portuguese portuguese and uh how's your portuguese for uh, i'm sorry i wrecked your car with a <laughs> motorcycle oh man we were only there for a couple of days we didn't know any portuguese <laughs> um all right well let's hear a song what are you gonna play for us um i'm gonna play uh house awesome well here is oberhofer live on snacky tune take it away all right house with you, a house with you, a house with you, a home, so we can be alone, and I've been running, I've been hiding, I've been falling down and climbing back up, where they think they belong. Try to tell me what you don't
with you, a house with you, a house with you. I wanna build a house with you, so we can be alone. So we can be alone. Slipping on my shoes, my tongue is swollen, my lips are bruised, and I can't get up the hill. I've been jumping through some leaves and chopping down some cherry trees, so I oh, so I can't tell, so I can't tell the truth. an epic one. Oh, thanks man big fan Woo. so uh i have to ask what was it like playing the uh, in-between spot between lincoln park and smashing pumpkins in uh, lisbon <laughs> oh man a lot of crossover there oh yeah that was pretty wild um yeah the lineup that day was um limp biscuit the offspring lincoln park and the smashing pumpkins and um I mean, I saw 60,000 people singing along to Lincoln Park. Just like 60,000 Portuguese people like running around, just going wild. Just going wild for the, for the park? It's no. going so wild for something that just seems like so, in, so far in the distant past, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, because they're really. I mean, I guess Smashing, but I guess Smashing Pumpkins are even further back than Lincoln Park, right? Yeah, but they they've sort of had a resurgence. I mean, their sound their sound isn't so times isn't so era specific. You know, like Lincoln Park is like post Limp Biscuit, like totally totally had its own time. You know what I mean? And uh, I mean, it was just really wild. I'll still hear a couple of old school Smashing Pumpkins track and just still love like Tonight Tonight anything. Yeah. Yeah, off the first few albums are, you know, they always drop Gish a little bit. You got a little. <laughs> That's actually the first riff I ever learned how to play on guitar. Amazing. The first time I ever saw a man crossdress was in that video. Really? It's James Eha. I mean, it was like sixth grade yeah. suburbs of Balakinwood, you know, which is outside of Philadelphia. And, you know, guy yeah. wearing a dress was the farthest thing I'd ever thought of. And I was like, is that a guy? It's a girl. You know, blew my mind. What, Buzzbin back in the day? What? Buzzbin, remember those? Do you remember that? No. Oh, the old MTV, like, Buzzbin type of stuff? All right, we got... Thank you, Eliza, for coming in and not making me sound <laughs> like a crazy guy. Buzzbin was, like, the 90s, like, Smashing Pumpkins, Radiohead, Cranberries, all that stuff. Yeah. Do yourself a favor, get, the, like, the Buzzbin compilation. All right. Mwah. Good music for Saturday night. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, play that in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh... You're going to Bonnaroo this weekend. Yeah, man. Big fan? Of what? Bonnaroo? I mean, uh, I think so. I've never been, so I can't really say. I'm, You know, we're playing for the first time there, so it's going to be cool. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things. I think it's their 10th year, if I remember correctly. Well, then it's going to be a big one. So what's your, uh, what's, what's your approach to festivals when you're playing them? Are you like, uh, get there, go all in, or do you sort of like chill until you have to play? Oh man, I'm kind of all in all the time in general. So I mean, I kind of just I don't know, show up and do do whatever, you know, whatever I whatever I have to do. You know, usually when you get to festivals, you're just busy from the get-go. It's like, oh, you have to meet this person here, you have to meet this person here, you have to like go home early cuz you have to get up at 8:30 in the morning to go load in, and then you sound check and then you have to go somewhere else and then Do you find you get to hang out with like, a lot of other band buddies? Uh, since it's the summer and you, you know, I, I feel like, especially, I know you're going back to Europe, like a lot of the same bands move in the same, uh, east to west direction. Yeah. We, uh, I mean, we were on, we were in London. Um, and, uh, yeah, we have this, we, we ran into three random friends from bands on the same street in London by coincidence. They were just all in town gigging? Just all in town. Um, Dave from Japan Droids and Johnny from Yuck and Lewis, who was, uh, an engineer was engineering for a band called the Sobe Sexu that we were on tour with a while ago and like uh, ran uh, into them all randomly. We all just ended up hanging out. It was really fun. Uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I love the New Japan Droids record. Yeah? I haven't heard the New Japan Droids record yet. I've been out of town, so. It's awesome. Okay, I have to check it out. It's it's up there. I heard lyrically it's really up there too. It's it, it, it's one of the bands that brings me back to those suburban days of like listening to albums in yeah. my bedroom and on a Walkman and things like that. It's yeah. just like all their stuff. But this one is, it's awesome. It, if it's not one of the biggest albums of the summer, I'll be surprised. I've got to check it out. You got to check it out. That sounds awesome. Why don't we check out another song? All right. Check out another song. Okay. Uh, here we go again. Oberhofer live on Snacky Tunes. All right. I'm trying to decide which song. Okay. I'll admit, I'm feeling a little cold I wish I could change what I can't control 
I don't want you to go. Oh, 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 I don't want you to go. Oh, 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 I don't want you to go. Oh, 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 oh. I don't ever want you to leave, cause that would be too sad for me. I don't want you to go. Oh, 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 oh. Girl, I know how you feel. It's been a long time coming, but I've been run, run, running, running far, 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 far from the truth. I never felt it before, oh, oh, but this broken heart really stings. I don't got any rights or rings, but I could be your everything. I don't want you to go, oh, 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 I don't want you to go, oh, 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 I don't want you to go. you to leave cause that would be too sad for me I don't want you to go oh 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 and I was running around didn't really have anywhere to be I had no idea where I was going but I knew I was going somewhere and so I ran to your house and I knocked on the door And I looked in your eyes and wished that I could see more. I don't want you to go. Oh, 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 oh. I don't want you to go. Oh, 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 oh. I don't want you to go. Oh, 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 oh. I don't ever want you to leave. Cause that would be too sad for me. I don't want you to go. Oh, 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 oh. I don't want you to go. Oh, 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 I don't want you to go. Oh, 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 I don't want you to go. Oh, 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 oh. I don't ever want you to leave. Cause that would be too sad for me. I don't want you to go. Oh, 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 oh. Oh my God, that's awesome. Amazing. Thanks. So I have to say that your live show is also one of my favorite live shows. I, I think the first time I saw you uh, as, a, as a four piece was back at the Noisy Festival in Austin. And, yeah. uh, but you guys didn't, I, I heard that um, Matt got hurt or was in the hospital? For oh, a little bit? Yeah, for but, a little while. For a little bit. And you guys played as a three-piece, but you're now you're back yeah. to a four-piece. Yeah, we did two shows as a three-piece. He, but he's okay. Yeah, he's totally all right. Yeah? Awesome. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I, you know, you hear things through the grapevine, and you never... You always want to make sure that everyone's okay. Life on the Road's tough, man. Yeah, it was crazy, actually. I, I mean, I was kind of nervous at first We yeah, when we played those two shows as a three-piece, but... They they turned out all right and and Matt was better after those you know three days of rest. So sometimes you guys just take a break. Yeah, hang out, watch some uh, The Wire on DVD. You know. Yeah. Or Bad Santa. Bad Santa. Yeah, that's good for the morale. Yeah. So uh, I know you're already talking about the next album and you got some big plans. Anything that you can share with us? Um. Well, really, I mean, we're gonna be working this record for a long time. Just kind of like planning in advance for the next one pretty far. You know, just so there's no time crunch at all and like. Just so I can have like everything, everything set, and don't really have to worry about, uh, you know, don't really have to worry about 
getting getting it out on the right date you know having it having it completely prepared months in advance before we actually have to release it you know so we're gonna work this record for a while you know i still think there's a lot in this record that people haven't people haven't paid attention to yet you know what's it, what's the most exciting thing you uh are looking forward to share that has yet to be shared about the album which one this one or the next well we'll talk about the one right now since the next one is so far away yeah i think that i think that this record like i think um you know i've like you know i've read a lot of reviews and i've like you know i've heard a lot of people you know tell tell me what they think about it and things like that and i think uh you know i put there's so much that's gone into it yeah that there's no possible way that anybody that just bought this record two months ago has like heard what everything there is to hear about it, you know? Oh, it's so tough, man. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, it, and even when I think with restaurant reviews as well, it's tough. You know, people come out for one meal, yeah. they take one spin of a record yeah. and they just pass insane judgment. Yeah. And, and it's something that, you know, I think two artists sitting in front of me, that's a whole lifetime that you, you've put into yeah. the most recent thing you put out. Yeah. And sometimes it's wild judgment in a positive way. Sometimes it's wild judgment in a negative way. But you can't control it, and you just have to respect that anyone feels anyway. And um, you know, just give give things time. And uh, you know, if if someone, you know, if if you give things time, people will, I think, eventually come around and like see see good things if you are doing good things. You know? Yeah, and that's a great point. I think it's it it feels good to feel good about the, the good reviews, and sometimes feel bad about the bad reviews. But then you got to realize it. You just got to sort of say in the middle. Because if you're going to say that way, when people say something negatively, then you have to have the same feeling about the good thing as well, just to sort of keep yourself grounded, you yeah. know? I mean, as an artist, I think it's your job not to, not to give, deliberately give people what they want from you, but to give people what you want them to have. Yeah. Interesting. Do you feel that way as a chef? Uh, I, I do. I think, you know, as long as you put in... You feel good about what you put out at the end of the night. I, I think uh, I, I could sleep well. I mean, I know if you know if I'm a little hesitant on something, then then I know there's something I'm not doing right. You know? Yeah, it's always so interesting to think about food and music as an art form because with music you can just hit replay on the whole CD. With food though, it's just totally decimated and destroyed oh, yeah. at the end of a meal, and they got to come back for a whole new type of experience. Hopefully, they come Ho- back. Hopefully. Well, I mean, from the from the reviews and from what the way the food looks like on the website and everything like that, I, I think they will come back again and again. Uh, but I want to thank you both for coming out. Oak is the restaurant. Steve, thank you so much. Oberhofer, thank you so much. Uh, what is all the nuts and bolts for uh, if people want to find you online? Um, well, we have a Facebook, and I just I just started a band camp where I kind of like upload songs that I feel like that I feel like uploading. And um, um, yeah, D- different cuts from the album. Um, like I, I just posted, I've only posted one song so far. I made this two nights ago, but I'm going to start posting demos from the record. Amazing. All right. So, uh, com. Thank you so much. Enjoy, uh, your you. rest of time in New York. Uh, shout out to Eliza and to also Simon, which is Oberhofer's PR manager. Yo, what's up, Simon? I hope you get back in the state soon. Yeah. And shout out to all the PR people who help us the show. Shout out to Joe. Yeah. Shout out to my Joe as well, who's my dog, to everybody. Yeah, dog. And uh, check out tomorrow. We're going to be announcing, uh, we got two big announcements from the Fern on the Pulse food and music events. Shout out to uh, Jack and Joe, who did an awesome job of tracking down the guitar. And uh, HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Go online, support the network, everything like that. Um, You can check us out with one more song? Yeah, I can do that. All right. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Greg will be here next week. Hopefully I will be, I will not be here. 
So uh, he'll be holding down the uh, shipping container for it. And always, thank you to Roberta's for being the most awesome guys in the world. And uh, we'll see you next week. Take it away. One, two, three, go. And you fell down again. Oh, darling, let me pick you up. Cause you were right this time, last time, this time, last time, this time. You were right now, darling. Please tell me that you know. I've been throwing my arms And taking down some paper planes Cause they crash and they burn with ease Oh they crash and they burn down Girl, if I don't pick up the phone, you can call the landline. Oh, the landline. Oh, the la 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 la. The landline. Oh, the landline. Down the stairs like a tumbleweed In a twister In the desert where I won't go I'm dying Why do you always tell me that I gotta leave I'm gonna hang up the phone I'm gonna get up and go I'm gonna get up and go Pick up the phone, call the landline, oh the landline, oh the la 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 the landline, oh the landline, I I if I don't pick up the phone, call the landline, oh the landline, oh the la 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 the landline, oh the landline, let's go. listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization 
driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.